Hey, what's up? It's Metal Dave with my co-host Jason McMaster bringing you another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. And uh, guess what? This week we have no guest. It's back to the Dave and Jason show, the Jason and Dave show, like it used to be when we first started this two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, you uh, know what this is? This is not guns pointed at the sky. This is a, this is two losers. <laughs> <laughs> no guest, just two losers. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. you know what we we should we should stay state that it's not uh because we couldn't get a guest. Uh we've actually had some requests from uh listeners that we go back to this format every once in a while because for whatever reason, believe it or not, some people kind of like the idea of me and you just riffing off each other and talking once in a while. Yeah. It's kind of how, uh, it's kind of how, sorry to interrupt. It's kind of how we started the game anyway. It is how we started the game. Yeah. Where we would pick a topic and just go. The interesting thing is, is our, our topic today is, uh, past and recent past and future events. Yeah, is pretty much what we're going to talk about. So we're going to just play a catch up, hang out, Jason and Dave, hang out. Dun, dun, dun. So you've been quite busy the past couple months. A uh, number of fly out gigs. I know you've uh, flown out to work with Dirty Looks, Dangerous Toys a couple times. You flew out to Germany with Watchtower. Yeah. Um, let's start with Watchtower, because okay. when you told me what your travel schedule was for that gig, it was crazy. <laughs> Well, and the messed up thing, not to jump ahead, is the the travel. I don't know why or how. Uh, well, yeah, I kind of do, but it didn't have to be this way. Um, is the the toys date that I just did in uh, in Massachusetts was very similar to the crazy uh, not having any time, like like landing and going and doing a gig and going right back to the airport. It was almost the exact same thing, which is just insane. Yeah. But I will tell you this, it's fairly normal for bands that do fly dates to catch a flight at, you know, leave for the airport at three o'clock in the morning. So the gigs over at midnight, you do the math. Yeah. You're going to the hotel and packing your shit and get, getting in a van and going to the airport. You know, I'm sorry. You're going to, yeah. Hotel pack, straight you know thank you good night hotel pack straight to the airport no sleep sometimes a gig the same night it's crazy it's uh i mean i i i realized that when you're doing a stateside gig uh but the germany thing was really a whirlwind because i mean that's like Mm -hmm. a 14 hour flight or something Um, it's it's not really that long it's a 14 hour travel day if you have a four hour layover so break down the, your schedule. The, flight, tell, the flight's only okay. I will tell people what you told me because my mind was like hurting after. Okay, yeah, don't don't sweat it. So I wasn't telling you or anyone listening to make them feel uncomfortable or guilty. Uh, Eleven a.m. flight. Oh, great! Got to sleep in and have breakfast with the family, and you know, okay, eleven a.m. flight. All right. So you get on the plane, right, and. Um, we flew into Atlanta on the way there. We're flying into Frankfurt, Germany. So four-hour layover in Atlanta. Oof. So, you know, it's only, what, a couple hours, three hours to Atlanta. Right. Four-hour layover. So we started at 11 a.m. So 
you know, that's already six or seven hours into it. So the Germany flight from Atlanta to Frankfurt, seven hours. There's your 14. Wow. There's your 14 hours of travel. Yeah. And you're not really sleeping. You're dozing off on the plane. You're maybe taking some kind of uh, inducing agent to (laughs) crash, you know? (laughs) Yeah. On the plane, if you're if you're good at that. I am not good at it. Uh, we landed at 9.30 a.m. on the day that we play. Wow. Uh, we, we had a, yeah, we got to the, about an hour in a van from the airport to, uh, to the uh, hotel. And uh, I shared a room with Ron Jarzombek, guitar god mm-hmm. Ron Jarzombek. Yeah. Uh, the rooms over there, you know, I mean, it's, it's nice. It's, you know, the quaint little German towns are awesome. And, um, we didn't stay in Frankfurt. We stayed, uh, close by. We were near Wurzburg, which is where the gig was. Okay. And, the uh, Keep It True Festival, is yeah, that right? Keep It True Rising. Okay. There's two Keep It True Festivals now. This was Keep It True Rising number three. Okay. Uh, two-day festival, uh, Friday, Saturday, and uh, amazing what they do there. Oliver Weinsheimer uh, has been doing it a long time, and he's got a great crew, and uh, uh, Bart Gabriel, whom we've had on the show before, he's on, he's on the crew. He was one of the liaisons for the artists, you right. know, setting up rides to and fro, and checking on everybody. So I ran, I basically hung out with Bart, you know, every 45 minutes. I was like, dude, I, can you get it? Yeah, no problem. Consider it done. It, he's one of those guys. Yeah. Production staff. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, run in, running into people that I've known forever that were pen pals, you know, 30 years ago and more, uh, via tape trading and, and, you know, German heavy metal magazine people, uh, you know, I, I, it's too many, uh, uh, one that comes to mind is Getz Kudeman who has a, um, he, he's worked for many magazines, but, uh, he was at rock hard for a long time and he has a thing called deaf forever now. And, uh, it's kick-ass German metal magazines, high gloss, the new, uh, issue has KK Downing on the front. Okay. Um, I can't read it because it's in German, <laughs> but it's still badass. You couldn't read it if it was in English. Let's be real. And, and you don't have one. So there you go. He gave me a copy anyway. Um, so so that's, go that's going to- on the whole time. So yeah, we yeah. went to, we went to the hotel and, and we, we, we chilled, uh, we, we, we went to the hotel, we, we got something to eat. We, I think we went to the venue to just see our wares, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think some of us, I think, then I think that we went back to, that's right, we went back to the hotel to just chill for a while. Okay. And then... Um, Was uh, there a meet and greet somewhere in there? We had a meet and greet at five. Okay. So it's already, it's already like noon now. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're, uh, we're back at, uh, 
we're back at the hotel. We chill. We go. Then we're, you know, not, not long. A few hours later, we're, we're back up and, you know, they're setting up rides for us. There's a van, you know, that's taking it. We were real close. The hotel's real close to the venue. So we get there and we're making sure that we have everything we need. And, and, uh, I had, uh, there's a metal market at all of these festivals. It's like a vendors, you know, there's like a, most of the time it's outside under a big tent. Well, this venue was so huge that they had that metal market inside the venue, like in the very, very back. And uh, you can still kind of have a conversation and there's, you know, there's fucking, you know, metal bands playing at the other end of the room with, you know, 2,500 people headbanging and enjoying themselves. And then all the way, that's how big the venue was. Um, so I had some assailant business to take care of. Uh, mm-hmm. If you know who assailant is. Uh, I know the name's been mentioned on this show numerous times. Assailant is, that- is, uh, is that, that's, that's kind of, it's kind of another story, but assailant is, uh, Mike Solis was, was their, their singer. Yeah. And, uh, I wrote these three songs with these guys and they, they had more than three songs, but they didn't have a singer to, to start. And they asked for my help. I wrote some songs. I brought Mike Solis in to sing back up on it. A week later, he joined the band. Okay. <laughs> he went back in the studio and re and recorded all, all over all my vocals. He left his backing vocals on there because he's already on there. The harmonies. Right. Yeah. They just erased my tracks and he, anyway, so this EP recently came out. I don't have one handier. I'd hold it up. Um, on a German label, the names of the labels escaping me at the moment. But uh, the, the point is, is it finally, that demo saw the light of day and side one is Mike Solis's vocals on the same three songs and side B is my, with my vocals. Oh, cool. So you have the Genesis and you have what came to be and, uh, it's a great unsung Texas metal demo, just like you, you could imagine. Uh, it reminds me of like, of like Thrash Queensryche or something. Wow. Okay. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's available. It's on all streaming platforms anyway. So I, uh, Frank at the label, I had to go uh, do some, I signed like a hundred copies of that thing. I had some business to do. Yeah. I signed, I wore my arm out that day, which is, I'm not (laughs) complaining. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Uh, and then, uh, metal on metal records was just a few tables over in the, the metal market and metal on metal is, uh, what the latest igniter record, the last, uh, golden age of black magic. Nice. Okay. And I had some business with them, uh, just some trading. I had some CDs for them and they had some for me. Uh, and so I was busy and, uh, then the signing was at five and, uh, our signing was huge. I mean, it was probably, I mean, everyone's watching the show right in front of, you know, like 150 people lined up to have us sign records and posters and shit. Wow. How much merch do you sell at one of those overseas gigs? Well, it's, that's an interesting thing because that kind of, that kind of goes, Here's like a blanket statement to answer your question. I try to only ship or have printed, like in in this case, I had over in Germany, I, the promoters helped me find a printer who 
is already knows the the merch crew that does keep it true that does all these festivals and uh so i had the shirts printed in germany okay so i only have them here back to what i was saying i either only ship what i think that i can get rid of entirely so i don't have to ship any back or shove them in my bag there's never room in, in your bag right uh, you know, oh yeah, we sold almost all of them. How many? Oh, two dozen. Oh crap! You know, you got to buy a bag and st- you know, you got to check it. You know, it's pain in the ass. Right. So, oh, all the shirts are sell out. Wow, y'all must have sold like a lot. Well, we only brought a hundred shirts. See what I'm see what I'm saying? Yeah. Only for the convenience of not having to bring a bunch of crap back to makes Texas sense. with you. Yeah, it makes total sense. I'm just being. I'm just working smarter, not harder. Yeah. So I only. I think that they printed 215 shirts and it was because we i wanted the sizes to even out a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh we sold them all wow nice there were there were two double x's left and i just gave them to the promoter do you whether they were his size or not i just gave them to him yeah what does watchtower offer at a gig like that in terms of music i know your a lot of your stuff is an hour Oh, no, what do you I, mean offer as far yeah, as music? I mean, uh, vinyl, merchandise, uh, CDs. Well, we're, we're not on a label. or there's, right, no, so, there's no music. It's a legacy band. So it's out of print, always out of print. You're paying out the ass for an old, hopefully not too beat up copy that came out in the 80s. So when you're doing this meet and greet, how many people are showing up with uh, a, with a copy of an energetic disassist- the light The light is now shining on your question. I get the question now. Yeah, quite a few, quite a few. I've signed bootleg copies of energetic before. I yeah. didn't see any bootleg uh, copies of energetic on vinyl this trip. Um but I signed a ton of assailant. There it is, that is again, mm-hmm. uh, because it was there in the metal market. I mean, I signed another thirty of them at the meet and greet. Yeah, uh, and then Doug and Ron. Ron was busy. I signed some Spastic Ink records, so Ron was busy signing a bunch of Blotted Science. All of his projects. I signed a lot of Broken Teeth, Dangerous Toys. Do they bring that to a few, few, yeah. few dangerous toys? Yeah, those guys, they're rabid. They bring a whole satchel. Yeah. <laughs> and since they have a wristband or whatever, they can take it back out to the car if they drove. Yeah. A lot of them don't drive, so they're kind of camping out. You know, they probably have a stash in the in the inside the ceiling in the bathroom or in the corner with a a cloaking device over. I don't know what they I don't know what you do if you took the train and you brought your your record collection with you to get it signed by all the bands that are there that day. I don't know. Wow. I'm sure the pros know what to do. Oh yeah. The, yeah. There's probably very few rookies in that audience. Oh yeah. Oh, there's yeah. no rookies in there at all. Right. Now we should let people know you're, you're, you were opening directly for metal church and Udo Dirk Schneider at this festival. Yeah. That was the slot they gave us. We yeah. went on at seven thirty, So that signing was at five and we were, we signed for an hour and a half. We signed up until like, right. It was about time to like, you know, put the skinny pants on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yelling to the microphone check. Is this thing on, you know, right. Oh shit. Are they going to fly the banner? Come, you know, here's the, Hey, Bart Gabriel, here's the banner. Go. Yeah, no problem. Got it. 
And so how they, many people are you playing in front of? It's 2,000. 2,000. 2,000. That's, that's a great show, man. In front of metal. It was, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it wasn't our greatest performance. Well, we haven't I'll, been together in, <laughs> I mean, how many rehearsals have you had leading up to this? A, hand, a handful and then one warm-up gig, that, that gig right. in SA. But it's right. always going to be that way when you're not a touring. That's how Dangerous Toys works. That's how broken. We don't, I hate rehearsing. Yeah. But yeah. you have to rehearse if you want to be okay. Professional, yeah. Kind of good. Know what you're right. doing. Oh right. yeah, I mean it's totally it's it's a it's pro. It just wasn't th this particular performance wasn't yeah it wasn't. We were and there's no sleep. There's no sleep between any of us. Right, which brings me to my next question. So you get <laughs> so, off the stage. Do you stick around for the rest of the show, or do you hightail it back well, and try to catch some sleep before the flight? Well, it's you know there's still business to be done. Okay, there's still people are still buying shirts. Yeah, oh, you have right. to get paid okay. for the gig, and you know. Yeah. You have to figure out, you have to check in for the flight in, you know, three hours from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what time does the flight leave the next morning? Oh, it was still dark outside. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, all told, from the time you left your home and by the time you walked back in the door, how many hours was that? Well, it was 14 when you, when you consider the layovers. On the way back, it was the same four-hour layover it was at jfk in new york so it's the same amount of travel we just left earlier in the day on on that sunday which would have been october 8th so so 14 hours both there yep there, so that's yep. 28 hours how much yep. time are you on the ground and on stage in germany we were there so we, we landed at 9 30 and we went on at 5 30 so, you know, by, by eight, you're done at eight thirty. Not so, nine. I mean, I was there probably till 1030. And then, and then it was, I, I'm going to go pack my bag at the, you know, at the, in the hotel room and make sure that I don't forget anything. And so I'm know, not going to do the math, but it's safe to say it was less than 48 hours and you were back home. 28, 28 travel well, time. Well, it was all day Friday and an all pretty much an all day Sunday. So you're really only in Germany that one day, right? From right. nine ish to you know, yeah, three o'clock in the morning, you know, or whatever. That is a crazy head spinning weekend, right there. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't even in Germany. I don't think twenty four hours. So when you come back home, how long does it take you to put your head back together after oh, something get like back that? on your normal clock? Yeah, yeah. You, the, the best trick is to just not, re not sleep. Get back on your clock if it's, you know. You, sure, take a little nap just to kind of feel human, but I wouldn't try to induce sleep because usually they call it second wind. It's not really second wind. You're kind of uh just kind of you're just out of whack you know and yeah. uh it, just, it it took me a whole i took off work the next day and just chilled on that monday yeah but i was i was fine i mean i pretty much you know went to bed at a normal hour and uh, well, it, it was uh, it was really it was really great uh, let's talk about you know just the whole experience because 
it's a two-day thing it was a lot of bands that i had heard of that i'd never seen before and like you know um, I, I wasn't there for friday i was in i was on a plane right mm -hmm. um i got to see some metal lucifer i got to see some uh uh i think they're a japanese thrash band metal lucifer i want to say they're a japanese band and uh they were they were rad uh, yeah. I got to see Enforcer. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, they're cool. They're like I've traditional heavy metal. Yeah, I've seen them here in uh, Austin. And the bass player, who I don't, I don't know personally, lives in Austin. So he was oh. probably on our flight or the flight right after ours uh, out of Austin and going back too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and he okay. was in. Apparently, I feel bad that I don't know his name, but. Uh, he was in Scorpion Child. Oh, yeah. Remember that band? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's an enforcer. And uh, Olaf, the singer, is how I found that out. And uh, I, I hung out with, uh, just in passing a little bit, got to talk to Olaf a little bit. And it was like a funny story about Olaf from Enforcer. This was probably going on seven years ago or something crazy like that. I'm living at my mom's place downtown Austin and I'm out there doing yard work. This is funny. I'm doing yard work. So I'm sweaty and gross I'm wearing a watchtower shirt. Yeah. And two dudes, one of them, Olaf, it was Olaf and the drummer. And I'm sorry, I don't remember the drummer's name. They're walking down my street. I'm doing yard work, wearing a watchtower shirt. Two dudes from enforcer are walking down my street. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys are in enforcer and they're like yeah we are yeah and i introduced myself and da 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 and they're like oh shit yeah we know who you are blah 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 we've done you know igniter has hung out with enforcer done i think we've done a show somewhere around here uh i think the drummer was actually living in austin for a while so it's no surprise that they know a lot of people and you know around here yeah so here we are you know in germany years and years later and he's like yeah our bass player from austin so enforcer has this cool austin connection and then olaf is reminding me about oh shit and i wanted to like go like total beavis and butthead hey you remember that time y'all were walking down the middle of my street and i was mowing the lawn <laughs> but i didn't i didn't get to bring that up <laughs> anyway so this is a great celebration all of these european festivals are incredible and a lot of our friends go pil you know they do the pilgrimage and they fly over and rodney dunsmore and and uh and more there's a whole crew of them sean weingartner uh anyway and it's just it's a rite of passage and they they really care it's a full-on culture over there yeah um, i could talk about it for hours but um yeah and then uh yeah the slot that that uh the promoter gave us was uh right after enforcer enforcer metal lucifer enforcer watchtower metal church and udo dirk snyder oh man on a saturday night yeah it was heavy metal heaven wow yeah and That's um awesome. so i'm walking off stage you know thank you good night i'm walking off stage whatever and uh dudes in metal church are right there side of the stage yeah killer show high five and the singer was like oh it's my first time seeing you guys that uh 
The singer's name is Mark Lopes, L-O-P-E-S. In Texas, people would would say Mark Lopez. Right. Whether it was S or Z, they would say, but it's Mark Lopes. Okay. Um. So yeah, cool. Yeah, that was great. Awesome. Cool. Nice to meet you. And Kurt Vanderhoof is back there, and he's like, Jason, what's up? High five. Blah 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 blah. Uh, hang out. See some metal church. Go do some business. Production office. Merch table. Da 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 da. You know, hook up a ride back to the. You know, get the get the shuttle happening to go back to the hotel. And, um run into Kurt breakfast, you know, early as shit, still dark outside. They're serving breakfast, probably six, you know, yeah, at the hotel. So that, that room, that changes things. I guess our, our, uh, our ride was there at like six thirty, I think. So we're, we're, you know, shoving our face with muffins and egg and whatever we can get down before the, we have to get in the van. Right. And, um, and Kurt Vanderhoof is there and he's like, Hey man, cool. And he, and I uh, starts how we exchange numbers and, and, uh, all's, all's well, we get in the van and we, you know, 14 hour travel day back, back to town. Yay. Success. Wow. Um, hopefully there'll be some decent, uh, video because keep it true. They have a video crew that videotapes and they always record and such. So we're hoping to get some cool, uh pro shot edited you know sounding good looking good videos uh, eventually but we yeah. we are directly involved in produ- with producing some of that stuff as well so hopefully that'll happen uh, cuz sometimes it doesn't depending on right. how how good it sounds and might might not might not yeah. work anyway uh that's awesome so so uh if i'm if i may jump into i just got back from new bedford massachusetts i was yeah, there with dangerous, dangerous i was there toys. with dangerous toys and it was a great show sold out great venue called the vault uh bad marriage have you heard bad marriage yet uh tommy skio just joined that band didn't he, he did he did yeah. um but they were killer without him too just just so you know they were he's not making them Right, right. They were already a kick-ass rock and roll I didn't band. know much about him until he joined the band, and I think that kind of okay. got them. A yeah, yeah, yeah. Good and... shot in the arm. That's great. I'm yeah. sure that it's it's going to help him eventually anyway, and he's a rad guitar player, so there you go. Yeah. Um, but so they're they cool guys. For you? Yeah, they were first, and then all sinners went on in the middle, and uh, the promoter is, in the, is the drummer. His name's Roger. He's the drummer for all sinners, and they – they go out to you know Hollywood and play out there. Bad, I think Bad Marriage does too. They, you know, these guys hit the road and do fly dates and run around the country. I don't know how they can afford it, but they they stay busy. These bands. So I was glad that bands with some kind of footprint were there. They're from the area. They're from that area. They're from New England. Yeah. Okay. So this is where it was a great show. The venue is great. The, uh, the owner of the club, who's the drummer in all centers, Roger, he also owns a record store. And I guess you saw my posting. Yes. Purchase street records. And yes. dude, you would, you and your son would go broke. <laughs> I did see that you were posting on social media. And, uh, first of all, I was, I was surprised that you even had time to venture out because I know you typically don't when you do these things. 
And my my question was, when you do have a rare moment of free time and you you're doing one of these fly out dates and you do get a chance to go to the local record store or whatever, do you ever wander over to the bins that have your bands and just see if they're well stocked? Oh, they had it laying out all over the store. Since we were in town, they just had them. Oh, look. Oh, look. Oh, okay. oh look. You know, so they were trying to sell it. Toy stuff. Yeah. But do you yeah. do you go look and see if they've got Igniter or Broken Teeth or Evil United or anything like that? Well, I knew that I knew that they didn't. But the guy that drove us over there, he's a fan of everything. And I, and like pretty much everyone who works at that record store and uh, works at that venue saw me front Armored Saint in Boston a year ago. Oh yeah. So there was that on all everybody on all of their lips. Dude, I saw you with armor, you know, the, the meet and greet. Oh, oh by the yeah. way, we we now hold the record at this at this particular venue that everybody plays at. LA Guns, Fast Puss, everyone plays at this club called the Vault. Uh right. there in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Right. Uh plug plug. Um we hold the Dangerous Toys holds the record 70 VIP meet and greet tickets sold. Wow. So that was a long day. That was a long meet and greet. Yeah. They were bringing them in 12 at a time. Do you do that before the gig? Yes. Okay. So for this, for this trip, it was fly in on Friday mm -hmm. and it was fly in early as I, I had to be at the airport at 5 a.m. This past, this past Friday. <laughs> so I we land, we, we land at a, you know, uh, it's a four hour flight, but it was an hour and a half ride in a van from the airport to the hotel. So, you know, we're, it's like already one o'clock or two o'clock, right? By the time we're even able to sit down on the bed in the hotel room and go, damn, that sucked. <laughs> and you're hungry and you don't know where you are. So you, Hey, front desk, you know, so went and had some fish and chips. It was rad. Mm. Uh, great little downtown area. Uh, it was, it wasn't cold, but it was nice and cool. And it rained all, it rained all day on Saturday, day of the show. So we're there having a nice afternoon chilling and we're all just spent tired. Um, and uh, we eat and we, oh, Joey Belladonna's uh, Journey Tribute Band was playing at the venue that night. Paul went and saw that. Paul went oh, to the venue and saw Joey Belladonna sing Journey. He what said it was rad. You, uh, man, that's what I've heard. He said it was killer. I could see, I could see it being great. I've just yeah. never heard oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can sing his ass off. Oh, yeah. So Paul went and did that and I... I Right, which you do. I went and got some more food, and I just in, like with the bit. <laughs> yo, man, I just tried to chill and get my wits about me. Yeah. Um, who was the guy that came out in the clown suit? Did you know that was going to happen? No, no. So <laughs> they they were billing this, and I didn't really. I mean, I guess it was on the poster, but it was a hellacious ha Halloween show. Okay, they we're celebrating it as a Halloween type of a thing. And uh, the Grim Reaper was in the front row and the fucking, <laughs> it was an evil clown walking around. Yeah. Uh, Scott brought him up to the dressing room. It was this guy named Keith. And it was a serious, 
latex apparatus. I mean, it was like movie style. You know, it was the makeup was killer. He had these like crazy red contacts in and he had that wig made. It's not, you can't buy that at the HEB. Yeah. You can't buy that at Walmart. Because I know, I know you guys don't typically have that and especially out of town. So I figured that whoever did that, it was a total surprise to you guys, or maybe they told you before the set, but I knew it wasn't part of your crew. So I was just no. curious, who's the guy that showed up with such an awesome clown suit and got on stage and was kind of fist bumping you and all that guy stuff. in the crowd. <laughs> we just met him that night and the guy was super cool. His name's Keith. Uh, thank you, Keith. That was a lot of fun. And that was a lot of work for you to put, to put all that stuff on. He goes, I, I was, I kept asking him, is that comfortable? He goes, dude, I feel it's is great. I was like, that's amazing that you can put all that on and just like hang out. Cause that would be like, uh, cause when I put the jean costume on, oh, I can't wait to get rid of it. Yeah. yeah it's uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, so, it was a great gig. So, uh, I mean, so it's Friday. Anyway, so it's Saturday. I slept in, we, you know, breakfast, got some Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts is God there. They're everywhere. Really? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, they're everywhere. I went and got some breakfast. Scott went with me and we, he got a, a latte and I got a couple of egg sandwiches or something. And then <coughs> I decided, well... Sound checks at 3 p.m. That's early. That seems that seems like an early sound check, doesn't yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now you know why we flew in on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. There's no way we would have been able to make a 3 p.m. sound check. Yeah, that'd be rough. If we would have left that Saturday morning. It yeah. would have been even worse. So we were feeling better or I was, I compared to Germany, I was feeling better about what it was. It was still a no sleep till Brooklyn vibe. You know, I was right. still burned out, but at least there was enough time between things that I could kind of acclimate a little bit. Yeah. So it's, it's Saturday and I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm, I eat this breakfast and just chill for a minute. And then I was like, Hey, can I get a ride to the, this record store? And Paul went with me and it was rad. Purchase Street Records. Yeah, and I got some uh, got got some vinyls, and I got uh, some patches and a hat, and I was super happy. And uh, I posted about it. Purchase yeah. Purchase Street Records. So uh, I want to back up a little bit. So I'm in Germany. <laughs> We're back in Germany. O opening okay. for Metal Church, right? Yeah, and they have this new singer that I mentioned, Mark mm -hmm. Mark Lopes, L O P E S. Yeah. Super right. guy high-fiving me as I went off stage. We've never met or anything, right? The next morning, Kurt, hey, Kurt, breakfast, you know, before I get in the van at 6, six o'clock in the morning, dark right. outside, blah, blah, blah. You, me and Kurt exchange numbers because I've, I've known Kurt since the first Metal Church tour. We're not close, but Kurt Vanderhoof, who I will now announce, uh, Mark Lopes and Kurt Vanderhoof of Metal Church will be joining us very soon as guests here on the Talk Louder podcast. Yes, one of the okay. benefits of those flyouts. Yes, yeah, so back to the story is uh, 
is uh, I'm in Germany. Mark Lopes, blah, 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 new singer from Metal Church. He is a bad motherfucker. Oh, my God. I don't know if anybody out there is hip to the new Metal Church. Dave, are you hip to the new Metal Church? Not, no. Holy Christ. Well, we will be talking about it again and again because it's fucking rad. And this singer is rad. And he does all the David Wayne shit to mm-hmm. a T. It's a it's fucking awesome. So now you know what he kind of sings like. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the gnarl, right? Yeah. Well, well, it's a few days after uh, both me and Kurt Vanderhoof are back in. He's, he's in California and I'm in Texas. And I get a text from Kurt Vanderhoof from Metal Church. And, of course, I get giddy just even saying his name because I'm a huge fanboy. But he's going, hey. Uh, I see that the toys are playing in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and Mark Lopes was born and raised there and still lives there and wants to come to your show Saturday night. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Small world. Wow. Small world. Where did he come out? With bells on. Oh, nice. Was not empty handed. Wow! Got me a brought me a, a cool new metal church shirt. Uh, oh. We hung out for hours. Uh, he came. He came like uh, you know right after dinner time, and we went on at at ten. So we hung out for hours. He's great. He's friends with the Shadows Fall guys. They're, he's from the area. That's yeah. Shadows Fall. That's that's that that's, whole area. That's it. New England. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's born he's lives ten minutes away from the venue. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I, wow. Didn't I just see you in Germany a week ago? You know, that yeah. kind of, it was that kind of a vibe. And yeah. So now we're like all best buds now. He's rad. He watched the whole show. I hung out with him for a minute after and he uh just su- super guy and uh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Small so that world. That's pretty freaky though that you know, you barely meet a guy in Germany and then like, oh, by the way, did you know that my buddy you just met is from where you're going to be next week? You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like it wouldn't have been as weird if you met in New Bedford and then you kind of two weeks later, you're on the same bill in Germany that but to do it in reverse to go from Germany overseas to a I'm going to assume it's a smallish town in in it's like a township yeah, yeah. i mean if you if you walk a hundred yards it's called something else yeah so to to do that in reverse is really a trip so yeah. that was your um you've been busy with the toys this uh summer that was at least your second or third fly out with with toys um no, it was at I, least your second i want to say third because we did we, we did colorado we did denver yeah um we did Hollywood. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We okay. did. We did our hometown gig. Right. Okay. So busy, busy, busy past few months with Dangerous Toys, but you yeah. also did the Dirty Looks thing again. So talk real quick about that. Yeah, that has become like a, a an annual, semi-annual pilgrimage. Uh, Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania. Uh, people are hearing that and going where the fuck is that um <laughs> exactly i still say where is i've that? heard it three you know three years in a row and i still ask yeah it's a it's it's on the map somewhere but it is a lush 
community, I want to say north. I don't know. I need an atlas. Right. Uh, Pennsylvania. But, you know, and when you, it's, it's really the middle of nowhere. Um, hills, mountains, rivers, creeks. Uh, amazing. And people, here, here you go. People can drive from Canada to oh, come to, to okay. come to that show yeah so that's how far up there it is yeah the interesting thing is is the is there's uh there's some guys from canada one of them lives in in pennsylvania now because of work him and his family live there his name's carl and then there's uh my buddy jf leduc they're buddies but they're both from canada and jf lives still lives in canada he was at the toys gig. They came down to the toys gig. So they were at the dirty looks gig together. They were at the toys gig together. So when you're up in that thrush of the Northeast, you can be in three States in five hours, dude. Yeah. In Texas, you can drive five hours and still have five more hours to go till you get to another state. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I get jealous of people that have that ability to sort of move around and experience mm. different states and different cultures and you know because it i well, mean it's I like it's like europe europe yeah, is all exactly. these all these countries just exactly sitting on top of each other so texas is like the whole continent of europe <laughs> <laughs> well not so much but yeah, yeah i get it yeah but so 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 here's a question for you the, now anyway the dirty looks thing was it was a fucking great show yeah, three, three years running now, right? Always a great, yeah, it's always a great time. And those people just, they love that band right there. And they have uh, accepted me. Yeah. And uh, which is because that could have gone the other way, couldn't it have? Yeah. Well, Easily. You know. Because they love their Henrik Ostergaard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and right, uh, so. didn't really, yeah, well, I love, you know, once they... Yeah. They're probably tired of me hearing how, you know, how gay I am for Henrik Ostergaard. That I just care about him because he there, he's one, he's one of those one of a kind singer guys, you know, yeah. guitar rocking dirty motherfucker, you know, just yeah. bad. It's like it's like a George, you know, Deliva from Rhino Bucket. There's only one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the same kind roll, of guy, but it's not the same guy. And there's because there's only one. If you love rock and roll, you got to love Henrik and, and George. I mean, yeah. those, those voices. But you see what I'm talking about. It's yeah, like, even yeah. though those two guys are cut from the same cloth, it's kind of like they don't have that. Do you, do you have this in medium? No, there's only one. And there, there they are. And yeah. Henrik and kind of there they went. Well, to reel, to reel that back in, he never went anywhere because people still love him and i have taken on the uh job of being the conduit for henrik and his songs yeah. and i've been accepted and i awesome. the end of the show gene the drummer found me in the truck you know thank you good night and i disappeared into the gear truck <clears throat> gene found me in there i was bawling like a baby i'm just confessing this <laughs> because and I'm because those people, Dirty Looks fans, yeah, they they really accepted me and uh, man, I got I felt it. I went out into the crowd and hung around and you know little 
uh, <clears throat> improv meet and greet, you know, if you will. Yeah. The glory walk, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to the merch table. You know, got to go kiss babies, right? Right. And right. Uh, it's all part of the whole thing. So what, part of what you sign up for. And uh, man, I just, the people were just like, man, I knew Henrik. I, he used to stay at my house. I booked his last show. I kept hearing this from people just coming up to me. And dude, man, I got, they, they, gave, they gave me the, I'm a card carrying member now. That's awesome. Those people, man, they, like, that's serious business. Like, you have to think about it. A few years ago, I expected just rocks to be flying, a sea, <laughs> uh, raining, you know, bricks on my head. And it was the opposite. Well, this time could have been our most solid gig. And uh, they were there with me celebrating Henrik. Yeah. And it was really grand. Yeah. Um, well, so I'm super happy with the, with, uh, with with this last uh, portrayal of uh, Dirty Looks 2.0 and and the uh, ongoing legacy of Henrik Ostergaard. Yeah, and, and I think I think people sense that you you uh, you harbor a great deal of respect and love uh, for for Henrik and Dirty Looks, and obviously you can sing. Uh, so you're capable of delivering the songs, but I think the the thing that people might be gravitating towards even more so than that is obviously you've got to be capable on stage, but I think people sense the fact that you really are a fan of Henrik and Dirty Looks, and it's like you're not an outsider coming into their world. You're a guy who is, in fact, if you know, if endorsed is the right word, Henrik, you were the only guy that Henrik used to bring up on stage once in a while to sing on stage with him. So you kind of already were on the sidelines of the Dirty Looks family and the fans know that and they see how much respect you're you're showing and you're showing up three years in a row now and giving them a great night of these songs they grew up with and they remember and they get to go home and talk about it and look forward to you doing it again next year. You put out an album of one of those shows a couple years ago. Um, it was our first show. Okay. See, I think it I was think, like, it was like one rehearsal and then record a show. I think some of the, <laughs> which, which that but, doesn't sound smart at all, but I ah, think that's good enough. Let's go do it in front of a thousand people. Oh, are you going to record and film this shit? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what you're saying, what you're describing is uh, some of the love that you're feeling from, from that audience I think some of it is due to the fact uh, that you're handling it as well as they would want you to handle it. So hats off to you, man. I mean, I know it means a lot to you. I know that. Yeah. And I think now a bunch of people in the Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania area and that whole neck of the woods know that as well. So, well, I needed them to know it. I know that I probably could have been like, ah, fuck it. If they don't like it, fuck them. I could have done that. And a lot of people I feel like would have, because that's, Tough guy, rock and roll, fuck them. Blah, blah, blah. I'm do my version of these songs and blah. So, well, it's all I got. Yeah. No, it's the opposite yeah. of that. Yeah. And I needed them to know because I care. Yeah. Uh, I think that they got the message. Yeah. There was still <laughs> like, I posted some shit about the show like weeks prior. And uh, I, I usually don't read the comments, but there were comments and somebody uh yeah i had posted like a 
I call it like a just a you know Facebook live. Hey, I'm here to talk about the Dirty Look Show coming, and I'm driving to work. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. And, uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I just shake my head every time. I'm like, oh god, don't wreck the car, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, and uh, one of the comments was, uh, "Who's this old dude talking <laughs> talking about dirty looks?" Surely he's a roadie or something from back in the day. He's not in the band. And oh man! And uh, I mean, Henry. And, and I responded age, to that. Right? One. I actually responded to that one. I said, "No, it's hey, it's me, the old dude." And you know, they asked me to sing, and I said yes, and that's all I said. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the old dude. I mean, you and Henrik were the same age. Basically. Yeah, whatever. Like, I, yeah. I don't even care about right. you. Know how I am about. Right. The old dude. I'll be the old dude. I don't give a shit about that. So here's a question based on everything you just said about how things are going with Dirty Looks and your your love of the music and the legacy. You get asked this all the time about Dangerous Toys, and and we all know the answer, but if you want to follow up on it, because I'm sure people listening to this episode are going to go, why didn't you ask the question? So you get asked all the time about when we might see some new dangerous toys wreck or albums or songs rather. And, but, and I kind of know the answer to that. And I think most people do. It's a long, you know, it's a long process, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the new question. Having said all you said about dirty looks, is there any chance we could get a dirty looks record with you singing on it? It's slow going. And the fact that both bands not to put everybody in the same bucket, but the the fact that both bands live pretty spread out and we come from a world where we may or may not feel, because I have to do that because I don't want to really speak for everyone, but I think my educated guess, of course, and it's pretty educated because I'm part of it, but is that you know, writing together in a room in the garage, you know, is where this is the school we come from. Right. Uh, Dangerous Hoys has a bunch of songs written. Dirty Looks, new Dirty Looks has, you know, this version of Dirty Look. We have three, four, potential five song, you know, ideas. And it's not that we're lazy. It's just that we're busy. And we're occupied, and you know that old chestnut life gets in the way. There's a lot of that going on. Um, there's no deadline. There's no pressure. There's no agenda. You yeah. know what I mean? So it sounds like I'm at the bottom. Bottom line is, is that we're just lazy. But I don't yeah. really feel like it's laziness. I just feel like. Um, the demand is not there because it's not like it used to be where there's a, a manager and a label with a bag of money going, you need your record recorded and turned in by this date. Right. We right. don't have that. That's not happening. Not that that's what the be all end all of the band's existence. Obviously right. it's not. Both bands are legacy bands. Just yeah. like Watchtower is also a legacy band. There won't be any new Watchtower material. Just get yeah. that right out of your head. Right. But the people that missed it, and that's a world of people, missed Watchtower the first time. 
So there were people in Germany having religious experiences because this is the closest that's they've seen it, you know, yeah. three original members of the band on stage, you yeah. know, and Ron's Ron's a great sport. Ron is, you know, B Billy's not into it, you know, so we have to, we have to, it's not a have to, we want Ron to do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's, a, he's part of the band. So, the the you know you see what i'm saying it's like yeah i i get it i yeah. I, I totally get it um and those are valid points yeah, I mean, so it's the same with dirty looks it's the same with dangerous toys it's pretty much the original band on all three of those bands yeah so it's there's a lot more to it than just oh man i need a new watchtower album where right. have you been you know right 10 Not, 10 people in the comments section barking for new music isn't going to get the job done on any band yeah exactly yeah it's not just you that's that's it's not true. their fault there's no i don't have anything against people yeah, and they're yeah, yeah. De demanding making no, bands but I, I understand both sides of it uh, i'm a fan and i understand uh where people are coming from when they say man you're out there doing these gigs it'd be great to have a new album but i also understand the side that says hey i'm in my late 50s i've got a job i've got families we're geographically spread apart the days of getting in the garage and knocking back a few beers and writing some riffs are long gone it's a great topic because you know there's lots of bands doing it la guns is prolific as fuck faster yeah. pussycat is pretty prolific all of our cohorts and you know class of 89 when you're talking about you know dangerous toys still plays out but they're not releasing anything new even though we've been playing two brand new songs in the set for about a year now. Yeah. Yeah. So but there's stuff LA, out LA there Guns and people has a label. And so, and, and they, you know, there's deadlines. They there's have, deadline. yeah. Yeah. There's, there's stuff there's, going on there. There's still there a business component to LA guns yeah. and, and not so much with dirty looks, watchtower or dangerous. Yeah. Tours. Which are free agents, which right. are just, yeah, we're yeah. just doing it. We're doing it for multiple reasons and not because there's a deadline. Right. Right. Yeah. Two different ball games. I get it. The resurgence of Watchtower is, I find, very interesting. Um, and the thanks goes to Christian Larson, who heads up the Hell's Heroes Festival. All of this is because of his interest in getting the, this band back on stage for Hell's Heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that's something uh, yeah. right there. And so... We have that January 5th at Come and Take It. We have Hell's Heroes in March. And in between that, we have Dangerous Toys doing the cruise, Monsters of Rock cruise. So, yeah, there's some busy stuff. We have some future guests coming up on uh, on Talk Louder. But let's uh, let's let's see. Let's check in with you, Dave. I mean, at this, we've just talked about me for an hour. You said yeah. you're on a UFO kick. I am. I wanted to... Uh at the at the risk of dragging this out too long um i've been out to the record store we've already done that yeah i yeah. wanted to touch on a couple of first some new releases and then some classic releases um have you heard the new rolling stones record no okay so that came I out. I live under week. a rock. I don't know where I would hear it unless I aggressively sought it out. It's almost you. It, you could step out your front door and a bus with the tongue will run you over. It hasn't happened. Is it's been it's everywhere. It's not in the airport. <laughs> Which is where 
you've been living for the past six weeks. Well, and I live yeah. in a small country town in Texas too. Right. It's not. I'm not okay. Getting well, real and, quick, and, uh, and I work at a rock school that teaches music. It's not. It's yeah. not happening yet. I don't know. Well, the Stones put out a brand new record, their first yes. album in almost <laughs> 20 years. It's called Hackney Diamonds. It came out last week. And I spent like the weekend listening to it on YouTube because I'm obviously I'm interested. So my first uh, crack at it was, okay, just out of curiosity. Curiosity won me over right away. I was like, oh, this is worth the second spin. The second spin was like, oh, man, this totally deserves a third. So I spent about two days listening to it on YouTube. And then it struck me as being so good that I looked up the credits on it. So I'm wanting to see how organic is this record? Is there 15 outside songwriters? Is this is this Mick and Keith? And it is, I would say, 90% Jagger Richards compositions. Nice. There's three songs on there. The producer of this album is this guy, Andrew Watt, who's done a lot of stuff lately. Uh, I'm not crazy about what he's done with some of the, like he did the new Aussie records. I think he worked with Post Malone. <laughs> I think he actually plays guitar on some of the Aussie stuff. And, and so anyway, he's kind of a new hip producer. And apparently he's a bit of a musician too. So all the respect to him, that's that's great. But when I saw him, uh, you know, his name on the Stones record, I was thinking, uh-oh. So he's got a co-writing credit on three songs. And then one song is a Muddy Waters cover, but the other eight, nine tracks, purely Jagger and Richards. So this is as organic as you can hope for from a bunch of guys who are pushing 80 years old or are 80 years old in the, in the case of Mick. So that made me love it even more because it was a great sounding record. It sounds like the Stones. There's an energy to it. There's a couple rocking songs on there that kind of almost have that punk rock element that the Stones mm -hmm. were so great at back in oh, the day. Yeah. It's like Bitch or whatever. I mean, uh, there's a bunch of guest stars. Paul McCartney's on a track. Stevie Wonder, Lady Gaga's on a track. Yeah, uh, I've been seeing a live, a live performance like that's on my news feed. That I can't get I, every time I open my phone. That's on there. Yeah, there's a live jam with Lady Gaga and Mick. Is so my, that one of the songs on the record? Yeah, it's called "Sweet uh, Sweet Sounds of Heaven." I think is the name of that song. Mm, and, kind of uh, a slow bluesy number. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. but it, I so like Lady Gaga. Some, so yeah, she's great. And uh, like I said, some of the some of the garagey punky kind of songs are really good. So I mean, I'm just shocked that an album that good is coming from those guys and is as organic as it seems to be. So I'm really looking forward to owning it. I need to hear more of it, but that was my initial reaction to it. Well, when are they putting up statues of those guys? That's, that's what <laughs> I, that's what I know. Not that that is important, but I mean, yeah. there's a Willie Nelson statue. He's still alive. Right. Right. Well, the Stones because really the Stones have kind of like the Stones were everything. They were heavy metal and blues and Motown, and they were country and artists. They've done it. I've done. They've done everything. Yeah, uh, punk rock. They've done it. Everything. Usually, so, before it was a box you can put a genre into. Exactly. I, yeah, I you know Led Zeppelin did that too. They're yeah, so all yeah. over the map that it's yeah. like, yeah, you can't really classify them. 
Uh, another well, it sounds group, like I need to get off my ass and just, you know, pick yeah, up the it's, record. It's, okay. it's well worth it. I was, I was really, really surprised, pleasantly so. Uh, Hackney Diamonds from the Stones. Uh, another record that I was pleasantly surprised uh, by is the new one from Buck Cherry. Um, I have to admit. Uh, What's this one called? It's called Volume 10 because okay. it's the right. album. Um, when did that I, come out? Uh, a few months ago. It's okay. already. All right. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's old now. Six months, maybe. Um, I got to admit, I kind of snoozed on Buck Cherry after a certain point. I was really into the band when they first came out. And uh, then the lineup well, the first, started to first change. Record is, first record is a crusher. Yeah, the first record is amazing. I still play that one all the time. Um, but they, they kind of started to lose me. They started losing band members and, and the songwriting I thought shifted. They kind of lost some of their more street, dirty, punky, you know, kind of, and went for a little more polished radio sound. They still had elements of all that stuff on their records, but it wasn't the dominant sound anymore, in my opinion. Sure, man. Um, and on this record, so when Billy Rowe joined the band from Jet Boy, which is two albums ago, that kind of caught my attention. I was like, hmm, I might need to check in on this and see if Billy's bringing any of his, you know, punk rock background or or some of his really good pop, you know, 70s pop influence into the mix, pop rock, hard rock kind of stuff. And uh, that album was called Hellbound. And uh, I went out and I got it and I listened to it and I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty good. Is, are they, is this, is maybe this is a bit of a comeback. Well, volume 10 is now the second album with Billy Rowe. And actually it's the second album of this lineup. They haven't had a solid record or a solid lineup it's since, I don't know when, this is the first two consecutive albums in a long time where they've had the same band together. So I think what they've done is they've taken all of the things that they do well, and they finally gelled on this album. And I'm not going to say this is a return to the first album, um, but I think it falls somewhere between like Time Bomb and Black Butterfly. It's somewhere in, mm. in that. So it's kind of got a foot in both styles of Buck Cherry, if you will. I think that they've, uh, they've been pushing um, all the right buttons. <clears throat> and at the same time, they're just being Buck Cherry. When I say this, uh, they, they work hard. Oh, they're always out, man. Yeah, yeah. they work really hard. They work hard. And um, this thing they're doing with Skid Row is a one-two punch mm-hmm. uh, because this sounds funny when I said I feel weird saying this, but Skid Row is back. Oh, yeah. Skid Row is kind of back. With uh, with this, yeah, Eric, Eric is an incredible vocalist and has a great backstory that's yeah. sad and enlightening and happy all in one uh, yeah. whack uh, I was happy to see them pair up with a band like Skid Row I wish I wish Buck Cherry would do more of that like team up with you know the Alice Coopers of the world or the Skid Rows of the world or you know if Aerosmith I, something I, you know I think they've done all that they, <laughs> they have toured with Ace and, they, and they have, Alice and they, but they also go out with like Nickelback and Kid Rock and stuff like that. But, well, but I think it goes to what you were saying. They they stay so busy that there's only so many Alice Cooper tours and then you have to jump on something else, right? Well, I think that, that, that going out with um, 
contemporary cohorts, you know, makes a lot instead of like legacy bands, yeah. just, you know, they, they still feel like the new kid when they're opening for Alice Cooper or Kiss or whatever, but, right. and maybe even Skid Row, they're still the new kid, but, but I'm telling you, Buck Cherry and Skid Row, just as a show, just on the fresh off the, the lips, fresh yeah. off the tongue, that sounds like a party. That does sound like a good it night. It sounds out, like yeah. a kick-ass rock concert. So, yeah. and that's what I think people want and are looking for, and I'm sure they got it. This uh, record has gotten a lot of spins in my CD player, and yeah. uh, I'm I'm really happy that uh, they were able to put out something like this. Uh, and I hope that you know, I hope that's a sign of things to come. I I think, like I said, if this lineup can stay together. And I think Hellbound was sort of a hint at at what they've done with mm -hmm. Volume Ten, and Volume Ten sort of built off of Hellbound. So I'm really excited to see what comes next. And it's probably the most I've listened to a Buck Cherry record since the first three of them came out. So, well, if anyone's if Cherry. anyone's interested in what I have on my turntable, I have uh, Celtic Frost to Megatherion. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do from quite, Buck Cherry to Celtic Frost quite a, quite a different quite a different uh, well yeah. I was I was about to switch gears on you too because I'll uh, do it another another great new album that just came out is the latest from The Hangman uh, all right we've had Brian Small on this show and uh, I love that guy he's a great songwriter this one's called Stories to Tell and uh, the Hangmen, if you followed them over the years, they they kind of started off. Uh, they've always had sort of this element of twang, and you know maybe mm. some Tom Petty Southern rock sort of vibe, but really dirty, you know. And I think in the in recent times, the last album was called Cactusville, and this one, Stories to Tell, kind of follows. They they lean a little more towards. Uh, sort of the Tom Petty Stones sound uh, more. So they, they don't have quite the garage punk uh, element that they used to have on the early releases. And that's not a bad thing. They do this really well. And uh, I think it's a great new album. It's called Stories to Tell, The Hangman. Uh, ten songs, they kept it short and sweet. And uh, Brian Small, I can never get enough of his voice, so... Congrats to them on a great new album. They just were uh, in Spain. They just did a tour of Spain. Wow. And they must have a good audience over there because I think that's their second tour in about three years where they can go do a tour of Spain and, and Europe, uh, but I can't get them to Texas to save my life. <laughs> well, I've been, I, I've been hearing about bands such, you know, in the ilk of that, uh, in the sort of the vein of of that going to you know that style like dirty rock and roll kind of um you know rhino bucket hangman uh junkyard did the same a couple years well that's probably five years ago or maybe more than that but yeah but there's a i think that there is a a promoter and there's a circuit uh if you will that yeah. uh, that those bands go over there and do that is healthy yeah i think the super suckers kind of do that sort of thing correct yeah but anyway, uh, I'm always looking forward to a new Hangman record. And Brian, uh, you, you hit it out of the park. You and Jimmy and uh, Angelique and Jorge, 
congratulations on a great new record, Stories to Tell from the Hangmen. Uh, another new album from our old friends, the Lower Class Brats. Yes. Uh, this one is called Tales of the Tales of, Tales of the Wild, the Ugly, and the Damned. And it's their first full-length album in a long time. And they really went all out on the packaging. If you notice the sleeves, tell me what this looks like. Yeah, Jason. those are those are Kiss Bubblegum Collectors Kiss That's cards. That's exactly what they are. Yeah. So the photos on the sleeve that show the band members are framed in the same style graphic as the Kiss Bubblegum cards from back in the 70s. Yeah, I think that company that did those uh, is called Caps with a K. Possibly. This yeah. one came, uh, Marty sent this to me on orange vinyl. Nice. Uh, it's a great album. It has uh, the single off of it is All the Young Dudes Are Pissed, which is an immediate <laughs> classic right there. I mean, right. the song title is obviously obviously a play on All the Young Dudes by Mark yeah. and David Bowie. Yeah. But it's the Brats, so in this case, it's All the Young Dudes Are Pissed. And the lyrics have a lot of great references to early 70s glam rock. There's a song on here called Ghost that is maybe my new favorite lower class brat song. My favorite song has always been Orphans Don't Run off their first record from 95. Uh, it's just got a really tough guitar riff that just mows you down. And uh, uh, this song Ghost has that same thing. And the lyrics are pretty gnarly too. Uh, there's a song on here called One Matchstick that's uh, maybe a little more musical than we're used to hearing from mm -hmm. the Brats. And but not by much. There's just like little nuances of, of of new flavor in the sound. So it's it's everything you want from the brats. Uh just that good street punk, oi punk, clockwork orange kind of punk. And the version I got for uh a lucky handful of people, I guess, or maybe a hundred or so, the album came with actual bubblegum cards. Love it. So I haven't opened these, but I would imagine they look just like the cards on the insert of the yeah, sleeve. Yeah, what a great idea. Yeah. And uh, Bones is a massive Kiss fan, the singer for Lower Class Brats. You might not know it by looking at him, but he will talk your head off all day long about the greatest. Well, you know, you know it is when you look at the goodies that came with that record, right? Exactly. There. So, exactly. Yeah, man. So we started this segment but with you mentioning my UFO kick. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about this real quick and then we'll wrap up and let people go. But um, I have been, uh, as you know, uh, me and my son go to the record store probably once a week. And um, he always is looking for something specific and typically new. If it's not a new album, it's newly released on vinyl. Therefore, it has a new album price tag on it. I go straight for the bargain bin. And he always jokes that I walk out of the record store with three albums for the same price that he paid for one. <laughs> right. Because I'm building my record collection one $8 album at a time. Right. <laughs> so I'm always looking in the Ted Nugent, the Nazareth, the UFO. Well, lately I, I got on a UFO kick and I posted something about this the other day. This is Force It. And yes. Uh, we talked about this album in our episode with Sean Kelly 
I've got the North American version, which has the album cover has been censored, so it doesn't have the naked couple making out in the bathroom. But we discussed that that naked couple was, in fact, the couple from uh, Throbbing Gristle. I got it wrong in the Sean Kelly episode. I called it Raging Slab. It was Throbbing Gristle. But anyway, I posted something saying, I know that uh, Phenomenon and Obsession get the nerd vote with UFO fans. Lights Out gets the mainstream vote from UFO fans. And of course, Strangers in the Night, I'm not even going to include that. I'm talking only about solo albums or studio albums here. Right, right. I... I submitted that this might be their best studio album. Read the track listing. It's got, I'm going to need my glasses. Good. Put them on. Leave them on. Mother, let it roll. Shoot, shoot. High flyer. Lost love. Love, lost love. Out in the street. Mother Mary. Too much of nothing. Dance your life away. This kid's and some a prelude of some sort called Between the Walls. I mean, that is... That's, okay, that's, like like seven out of you know ten or whatever is last, like a, a hammer to nail. That's why I saw this album. How much did I? Mother pay? Mary is so heavy. Seven uh, nine, and I looked at the track uh, listing, and I I went, wow, I know Let It Roll, I know Shoot. The, shoot, op- shoot. the opening track shoot. alone is a guitar lesson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a great album, and uh, so. Then we went back to the record store the very next week, which is what we do now. And I was like, you know what? I've heard great things about this album, The Wild okay. and the Innocent. Yeah. Now, this doesn't yeah. have Michael Schenker. No. This has Paul Chapman. That's right. Gone. Is. Yeah. And this album is amazing. Um, so I got to thinking, you know, that we talk all the time on the show about bands that have lost critical members and it all the conversation always goes towards lead singers or uh typically it's lead singers you know Mm -hmm. uh bon scott um david lee roth uh ozzy osbourne versus ronnie james dio whatever well i got to thinking ufo lost a very key member in one michael shanker but they did a lot of great work without him too um yeah I have the, you know, the wild, willing, and in it, the wild, the willing, and the innocent. I've got mechanics. I've got no place to run. Uh, I think those are the three that I can think of off the top of my head that I have that are post Shanker. Yeah, every one of them is rock solid. It's yeah. amazing. It's amazing the body of work they managed to accomplish. I, the well, records, the last three you just mentioned, I have those. <clears throat> I've covered songs off those records. Yeah. Um, the uh, not to just to riff with what you have going here. I I really have a fascination with the Obsession record. Yeah. Because it's kind of their peak. It's kind of like, uh, and I'm not as big on pyromania as I am, you know, high and dry. Yeah. By any means. But a lot of people think that that's when like you know, that's their back in black, you know, well, yeah. obsession is UFOs back in black, you know, like yeah. Jeff Leopard's pyromania is their back in black, you know, and UFOs back in black is, obsession. you know, obsession, but it still has Michael Schenker on it. Everything's still intact, but 
but the production and the, the the emotional value of all the songs and even just the running order and everything on it is top notch. Yeah, and I, that's a great. I'll say that about those records too. The running order is great. What I like about these albums is song for song they're great, but the way the album flows, I think that's such a lost art. When and when I hear it now, it stands out so well, much. I why have to do you, mention it. Why do you think it's a lost art? Because people just release singles now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I understand, but when yeah. I do hear it, when I do hear a record released where the track listing makes sense, I'll say that about that Buck Cherry record too. Um, when you put it on and it flows just seamlessly from start to finish and gives you something with each song, uh, I think that's a lost art. It used to be pretty common back in the day when bands, because like you said, they approached it differently. They said, hey, we need to make this. This almost has to be a story. Not that it's a concept album, but it has to have a cadence and a flow. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's got to have a start and a finish. You know what, you know what sort of modern record has that? That's, it's not, it's not new by any means, but it's also not as old as this, these UFO records we speak of right now (laughs) is Allison Chain's Dirt. The flow of that record. Yes. Is a journey. Yeah. They nailed it. It's like Dark Side of the Moon. They just nailed the flow, almost like a concept record. Yes, that's a good one. It's funny that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so rare that when you hear it now, it strikes you. And it it used to just be commonplace. But now when I hear it, it's an attribute that I'm not used to talking about with an album because albums either have so much filler on them these days or I'm not interested in the album because the single didn't grab me right away. There's something about... Not, there's there's almost an incentive not to buy the whole album anymore. I don't know what it is because I'm sort of from the old school, but I don't hear people talk about albums anymore, except for the hardcore, you know, nerds like us that have to have everything that Motorhead ever releases or whatever. Right. Well, it's not for everyone because they they don't have a place to store the format or they don't have the patience for the the room and the time that it takes and the ritual of, of I think that it's a bonus that you have a dash to, you know, for, to like help feed your bad habit. Yeah. There's no way I would spend as much time in the record store as I do without, without him wanting to go all the time. And I'm so grateful that he does because I find something, you know, I spent plenty of time in the record stores, when I was a kid and even as a young adult, you just look around this room. Um, but I, it's not a top priority for me anymore. Right. Um, I me, cling me to the neither, me neither but if I have some time to kill, I'm going in there. Yeah. And I get, I, I end up there, like I said, once a week anyway. So I might as well start digging through that Ted Nugent rack, you know, or the Thin Lizzy section or whatever. I'm going to find some 70s gem that I never picked up the first time or the first copy is so scratched that I'm going to replace it for eight bucks and call that a win. So anyway, I am currently on a UFO kick and and it kind of occurred to me that, uh, They've probably done as much quality work without Michael Schenker as they did with him or very close. 
if 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 not as much. Um, and I think that's a huge accomplishment. Oh yeah. Um, I want to say this, and not to top it off by any means, uh, but to correlate somehow because of the Schenker brothers, but scorpions, it's kind of like the way that, and Michael's related, obviously, in, in the way that I'm about to also say that there's the Uli John Roth era of scorpions. And then there's this whole other thing that they did without Uli John. That's some of it's just as fucking good yeah, without Uli yeah. John Roth, because there's yeah. this hardcore Uli John Roth. Yeah. You know, in a, and who did Uli replace? Michael Schenker. Yeah. Which is, that's the irony. That's the funny. No, that's, that's weird, a great, that's a great analogy. Weird rub the, there. Scorpions did a good catalog of work post John Roth as well. I think Uli was only in the band for what? Five records? Yeah. Five they, years. Then they did the live fun. album and, and then he split and then they kept going and. Oh my God, you know what they pulled off, even the, the next three, four, five records with yeah. Animal Magnetism and, Lo well, it was Love Drive, Animal Magnetism, Blackout. Those three records right there, I could survive. Yeah, they're great records. I mean, I love everything, you know, Fly to the Rainbow and sure. Entrance yeah. and, and Taken by Force and, and, of course, Tokyo Tapes live record, which is just as hot and killer and running order and in every aspect as strangers in the night. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so here's another thing that occurred to me listening to some of this UFO stuff, you know, scorpions always get the vote for like the, the best quote unquote, the, 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 the band that does the best quote unquote metal ballads that almost sounds mm. like an oxymoron, but mm. the metal band that does great ballads and people always name scorpions and i get it i understand why well, ufos but, right UFO, there with them ufo does amazing ballads man i mean just killer stuff everybody knows love to love but i mean there's yeah so but looking out for number one from obsession it's a home yeah. run there's it a song a called run. terry on the mechanics record that's just yeah oh god it just makes yeah. you cry man yeah yeah. yeah and there's something uh, i forget the title on this one from the wild the willing and the innocent uh uh, uh, hold on, because it's get it. It's, get uh, it. Uh, Lonely Heart. Lonely Heart is yeah. is an amazing ballad. So anyway, um, you know, some some Michael Schenker snob is going to leave a bunch of comments telling me I'm out of my mind. But no, but that's good. We want that healthy interaction. And uh, if you're a UFO or, or a Scorpions nerd, because obviously we've kind of put in a Schenker soup order here. Yeah. People can people can <laughs> tell us all about it. Right. And don't uh, get me wrong. I I got a huge amount of respect from Michael Schenker. It just oh, yeah. it was one of those things that I never thought about until I started collecting some of these post-Shanker UFO records and realizing, man, these are great albums. How did they do quality work without Michael Shanker? Well, you still had Phil Mogg and you still had Pete Way and, you know, and the songwriting is there. And and then with uh, Paul Chapman, you brought in a more than capable guitar I, player. So. I think that there is, uh, you know, the the synergy, you know, is there between not just, you know, Phil, it wasn't just Phil 
Mog and Michael Schinker that were writing those songs. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? It makes you think about, well, who was who was really putting pen to paper and who had the guitar strapped on it when they were in the garage. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So a lot of a lot of great stuff from an era of a band that I think is often overlooked. And uh, if you're a huge fan of the classic UFO with Schenker and sort of never paid attention to the back end of the catalog, uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. So. Yeah. And they, and they have been, I think that if you, once you go deep, I'm glad that you kind of mentioned that in some of our discussion before we hit record today, uh, because it, it, it's been great to just hear the, hear you pick, just mention even the album titles and hold them up and, and, uh, put some fanfare on it because, uh, I always look at UFO as, as, and also Thin Lizzy as one of these sort of, uh, um, outer region and even have some, some ties into the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. In every way, Definitely. uh, whether they were included in that or not, you know, but UFO Definitely. is just as important as Saxon is. Oh yeah. And you ask any of those bands, Def Leppard, Iron Maiden, they all talk about UFO and Thin Lizzy. So uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even have a, 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 a footstool if it wasn't for UFO. Yeah. And by the way, you said hit record. I hope you did that a long time ago. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, you, you worry about having cool hair. I'll worry about hit record. Well, by the you... way, by the way, um, at this meet and greet, which was a, a hefty one uh, in New Bedford, Massachusetts, um, probably a third of out of that what did i say 70 people a lot of people the first thing out of their mouth love the podcast ah nice so you need to hear that love because good yeah. thank you Ed, for massachusetts we yeah well and those you know those folks were from all over the place yeah they're they're from well they're, they're from all over that you know tri-state area kind of thing new england new york you know yeah uh, maine they're they're from everywhere up there That's awesome. um so there's nerds just like us out there they're and they're listening and they're appreciated so oh, thank you all for for listening and bringing that to jason's attention it's always good to hear when you're out in the wild that people are actually listening and enjoying and and uh i love it when i see a talk louder t-shirt out in the crowd so yeah thank you all for all that support it, it's it keeps us going we, some we, we some some upcoming guests. Who do we have? Paul Lydell. Paul Lydell is coming up. Uh, you mentioned the Metal Church guys. I am in the process of. Uh, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to. We've been working trying to get Udo Dirk Schneider. He's had to switch on us twice so far, and I don't know if we're ever going to make that one stick. But we're working on it. Uh, I've got Danny Lilker. From SOD, Anthrax, and Nuclear Assault. He's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's freaky just even thinking, whoa. That's going to be it's, a good one. Yeah, well, he's legend. He's legendary. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's like uh, an underground metal god. Yes. Yeah, Most East Coast perfect. motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, we've yeah. got, uh, I booked uh, a local who's actually from New England, I think, originally. 
but uh, Christian Shields we're going to have on, and he uh, it's going to be kind of an interesting uh, yes. episode yeah. with him because uh, he was cast to play yours truly in the uh, the new backroom documentary, uh, Bloody and Bruised, uh, right. the the untold story of the back room, uh, Penny Rock Productions. Uh, yes. He was, ca- I don't, I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard any kind of play by play or did they find him? Did he call them? Whatever. But we can, we can save it for the episode. So he's got some new music and, uh, and he wants to talk about and, and uh, also to be a good uh, time to, you know, start talking about the movie. Uh, the backroom movie, which is uh, in the South by Southwest Film Festival next year. So, yeah, it's been submitted. So hopefully it gets accepted uh, and will make its debut. That would be March of 2024. So, uh, yeah, picking Christian's brain will be fun. And we'll probably reach out to uh, Boudreaux and John Robert, uh, uh, John Robert Jew. Yeah, they're on a, uh, they're doing a, um, uh, sort of a, a a promotional campaign right now, not only to uh, promote the film, but they also, um, you know, they're promoting it because they have some bills to pay. And uh, I would like uh, to uh, get them on the show, which we haven't done yet. And uh, they can tell us a little bit about how, uh, us, you, you listeners, as well as me and Dave can support by maybe donating to help them, you know, get the, uh, it's the rights to the music yeah. that they really need to be worrying about. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be a bill, yeah. but yeah, that, let's, we'll, we'll goes, work towards, we'll work towards that as well. Yeah. That just goes to show they're doing it right. They're, they're trying to go through all the proper channels to get the right music, to set the tone for the movie. Yeah. And you can't do that movie otherwise. So, well, you can't, uh, you can't have a movie about a rock venue and not have any music in it. Well, yeah, but the thing is, as you know, they're trying to get the original music, which is the, that's the steep price tag. Well, that's what I mean. You can't, you can't yeah. talk about the people you're talking about and, and right. have like something that is similar to as a, you know, just right. some they, karao- fake karaoke version that, of it. That, right. That'll kill your credibility real quick. Right. right. <laughs> There's plenty of documentaries that have done that already. <clears throat> yeah. But I feel like there's so much more we could just have a chat about and sort of a riff, riff around the crystal ball, if you will, yeah. looking to the future as well as the past. But uh, we don't know what what uh, what any of it holds for future episodes. But this has been fun, and our original format where Jason and Dave just talk about anything and everything. Usually we would have a topic, but I feel yeah. like when we just riff like this, it's almost better. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's a it's a little less homework if you, if you don't have to you know research a topic through and through and just just speak. Well, yeah. we're, we're both busy enough to where we can just vomit how we're feeling and it's good therapy. So, <laughs> I mean, we've been busy yeah. with stuff. So, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. No, I'm, I'm glad we did this. Uh, listeners out there and viewers can leave comments. Let us know if you like this format, uh, see if we should do some more of these. 
Uh, we've heard in the past that people missed this format from back in the day. Not to say that we would do this exclusively again, because I really do enjoy having the guests. And I think, oh, most me too. Do. But from time to time, maybe the Jason and Dave show, uh, just to mix things up. So, yeah, this before is we fun. before we go, I want to sorry to interrupt. Before we go, um, I find it very interesting, and we've already chatted about this a little bit. Um, let's talk about you know the old that metal show guys new show. Didn't you tell me they were going off the air? They were not going to do it anymore because they didn't have. What did you hear? Tell me what you heard. And this is not limited to the truth, fact, or fiction. This is something by hearsay. Uh, no, it's uh, this is straight from the mouth of Eddie Trunk. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, for anyone listening, they, you're probably aware the guys from That Metal Show recently put out a YouTube program called That Rocks. And it was basically uh, much like this show, except it was Eddie Trunk, Don Jameson, and Jim Florentine, the three hosts of That Metal Show. Uh, but of course it was all being done via YouTube. It was being done from separate locations. They were no longer in the big budget studio, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so they were much like us. They'd have a guest join us or join them. And, um, they suffered a lot from, uh, technical difficulties. And I'm not saying anything they haven't said themselves, uh, sometimes one guy's audio wouldn't work. Some, some Sometimes one guy's lighting was bad. A guest would call in on a cell phone while they're driving in a car. You know, so you've got audio quality and video quality that's, you know, all over the place. And a couple episodes were even, you know, unwatchable. So in a nutshell, uh, Eddie Trunk announced recently that they were going to postpone the show. They were putting out a show once a week. And they're hoping to come back with some of these kinks ironed out in like 2024. They're going to keep the channel. So all their, all their uh, episodes are archived on the YouTube channel. Um, so you can go back and watch previous guests and previous episodes. But there won't be any new content forthcoming on a regular basis. They did say that if some big event happens or if much like you and I today, the three of them just miss each other and they want to just get together and talk, they'll pop out a show, but there's really no timetable anymore. Well, for the record, I thought the show and the format was really good, but let's talk about tactic and speed and production. I feel like you're waiting around. I feel like you're... You're taking a risk by uh, it being live. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's live. Right. So think about what that means. It's like you've got your guests you have to line up and they, there's no sound check. It's, it's live. Right. Everyone listening to and watching Talk Louder, not live. This is not right. live. The closest thing to live we've done is that stuff in Nashville rock and pod episodes that we right we were all shoved up on a couch because we had one camera because our our studio was in a suitcase and mm -hmm. it's just how we had to do it but we edited the shit out of that to make it a proper show and they're not editing the shit out of anything other than on the fly 
live pressing buttons, <clears throat> adding in, opening someone's camera, inviting them into the, you know, the room. And this is all just software. But <clears throat> yeah, I could see how it would be frustrating. And, and even reading some of the comments on some of those that rocks uh, shows that were, that were, you know, once they, you know, were done, closed shop and they, they hit print and they, it was already out there uh, and people were left it with their, just their comments. And even while it was on air, I mean, they're, they're kind of fucking with those guys a little bit. It's like, well, I mean, even their, understand. even their clothing, even they're They're messing with Eddie's dude. Come on. What's up with your backdrop? Hey dude, what's up with that shirt? You know, it's like, damn. <laughs> right. Well, people just, people don't understand. So we, obviously are not live as you said but i would argue and and jared is the guy our producer who can speak to this more so than myself but i would argue that for the length of our show and what you see and what you hear there's very little editing that goes on in this show there's editing in terms of having the initial the the theme song there's editing involved when the pictures are inserted in the intro uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, and there may be an edit here or there where somebody stumbles on some words or whatever, but we are not, you know, Jared is not piecing this show together so that it looks as good as it looks when you see it. This is basically, it's taped, but with the end, which you get in the end, I would argue is 90 to 95% just how it went down except that Jared came in in post-production and added the photos and the theme music and that sort of thing. Yeah. And he does have some tricks he does to our, our audio tracks, you know, but usually, I, and I, usually but, we have a guest and sometimes our guests have bad audio and he'll have to run it through some like magical uh, filters to get it to sound right. Tolerable. But so. in our case, two out of the three of us are pretty locked in. You and I have been locked in for a long time. The The setup that you're hearing and the setup that you're seeing, the visuals, the audio, we've been dialed in. But you and I are in the same location every single time. You know, Don well, we're not we're not together. You're in South Austin and I'm, <clears throat> I'm I mean, deep South Austin. Individually, we're in the same location. Yes. But where the that rocks show those guys are up against those guys are always traveling so right. don jameson is joining from a hotel room eddie trunk is from you know joining from las his, vegas his place in vegas yeah florentine looks like the only guy that seems to be in but he travels all the time too so you got three guys Never that known. are relying on you know hotel wi-fi and all that stuff and then you bring in a guest so what I'm trying to say is if we have a guest, that's three people you're hearing and seeing, and really only one of them is ever going to be the wild card with the other guys that rocks, you've got four people on the show and all four of them are a wild card every single week. And that's tough to rein in. All I was saying is, is they should tape it. But if the guest that they want is unavailable to tape when they're ready to tape it, those are things that we this is wow. We're kind of like opening the lid and letting people look in right now. 
Yeah, not, we're not trying to compare this show to any other show. I'm a fan of that rocks. I was I was into the show. I totally yeah. was. Even with all the quirks and crazy shit going on, I was like, well, yeah. all right, it's fucking live. These guys, you know, I watched obviously, all of them. obviously they care. They care enough to have a quality, a, a better quality product. They're going to wait a little while. And I, I fully respect that. And it's a better, I yes, good on you. Back to what you and I were both saying about what's what's happening here and what makes this work is, man, he, Scott Ian was picking up his kid from school. He, hey, I got to go. I got to, I'm picking up the kid. You know what I mean? It's like, we have yeah. to deal with that too. Yes. We, we have, have to, it's a scheduling kind of thing. But when it's, they're doing that and it's live, they're not editing out anything of Scott in the car, on the phone, you know, waving, you know, picking, picking up the kid, you know, from school. Right. And that's, right. that's, I think that that's awesome. That actually is part of the charm of what's happening in the show. I thought that, yeah, that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 It's like, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like, uh, so, I mean, Saturday night live is really, it's live. It's live. Yeah. Watching Scott Ian pick up his kid from school is, is kind of cool. <laughs> no, it, no, but, but what I'm saying is, is, they're doing that during someone's time. You know, I got three more minutes, you know, right. they're ha Scott's having to let them go because it's live. Yeah. So yeah. there's, you know, and I, there's been a couple of guests where I think it's been like that. I think that the, uh, the David Coverdale uh, episode was actually without fault. Well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because Eddie went to great lengths to point out he used Coverdale as an example. Oh, uh oh, as a guy that actually had his act together because right. Coverdale was, in fact, in some sort of home studio with proper recording. And Eddie is friends with him. So he knows that uh, uh, Coverdale has like an engineer that comes over and sets everything up and gets it ready. So, yes, he, it's everything from that to somebody on their cell phone, you know, picking up their kid from school. And that's going to get you mixed results every time. But I, I watched every episode. Uh, I love Scott Ian. I'm not picking on Scott. No, um, but that is going to give you a mixed bag of quality week in and week out. And I think right. we've kind of got a formula where we've got our arms around about 80% of it. There's really only about 10% of it that's up for grabs every week. And well, fortunately think, we've done okay with that even, you know, I think that, you know, the, that they're trying to rein in some kind of quality control and, and, and make changes for the better is a great idea because, yeah. you know, the shit, the internet's forever. Yeah. <laughs> So, so whatever's happening, whatever's happening on there, I mean, you know, they can yeah. beat it. They can do better and they know that they can do better. So that's right. Good. I think that's yeah. why they did. What yeah, they did. it's smart. I just think it's smart. I wanted to bring it up and talk about it no. because I think that it's smart. We're fans of all those guys and, yeah. and I look forward to them, uh, you know, uh, getting their arms around it and, 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 and having a little more quality control so they can continue doing what they do. Cause what they do is great. Um, it's just tough when you can't hear it sometimes. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, great conversation with you today. Love it. Not having a guest for a change. Uh, we'll be back next week with a guest, but, uh, for today, this was a good time. <clears throat> I know you're, uh, you've been busy. Hopefully you're finally starting to recover. I'll be back at the record store soon. And, uh, <laughs> 
we'll have more to talk about in a future episode when we when we don't have a guest and we just want to talk about ourselves. Well, sure, or just what's going on in uh, in our worlds, and and I feel like there is enough people that would enjoy something like this too, because we're obviously going to be talking about something that's uh, uh, not just yet. We like tons of people like it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, man. Good time today. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I am Metal Dave. Thank you for watching another episode and listening to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. 